This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Thanks for being with us. No matter how you're checking out the show on AMI-tv across Canada or AMI-audio around the world, we're glad to have you with us. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Once a month, we get into orientation and mobility chats. Uh, here we talk a lot about just traveling and how we can make sure we're having safe and accessible travel. We cover a lot of tools and just conversation because it's a very near and dear topic to our hearts. Let's bring on Mark Rankin. Mm-hmm. Where am I? Where am I going? And how do I get there? I'm Mark Rankin. As a certified orientation and mobility specialist, I've been helping pedestrians with vision loss answer those questions for decades, with a few detours along the way. Join me on Kelly and Rumya for some travel tips and tall tales from the streets of Toronto. Mark, of course, because it's winter, um, the angle that you wanted to take around winter travel, uh, talking with you in January, is fall preventions. And, uh, you know, we're, I guess it doesn't matter if you're a white cane user or a guide dog user or any other kind of traveler, this is something that is important to talk about and you want to cover a couple different angles around this topic today. Where do you want to start? Do we want to go over risks? Yeah, so... Uh... You know, this, I'm going to talk a little bit um, about something. It's, it's a, a little bit of a project we started uh, during the pandemic mm-hmm. at uh, Vision Loss Rehabilitation Canada in the Toronto office uh, of a colleague who's, uh, it's always been interested in her false prevention. Um, you know, as an orientation mobility specialist, it's the last thing you want to happen and the yeah. first thing you always worry about when you're, when you're, when you're working with somebody. Um and so we approached it from the the sort of standpoint that during the pandemic, the you know you had people waiting for service because uh, there was a lot of shifting kind of um, rules about you know what contact levels were allowed through the health allowed through the healthcare system and and uh, while we were trying to respond to that, we wanted people to be safe and we were thinking what could we deliver while we're kind of people are waiting to see us, um, and so we started developing a few things around falls prevention. I mean, the worst thing that you wanted to happen then was end up in the hospital because of the fall mm. when nobody mm. knew if hospitals were safe. And, you know, there was a lot of, uh, right. a lot of concern around that. So we we looked around. We found a few things that were really uh, readily accessible online um, that were sort of layman's uh, wording. that would be really easy to understand. Um, people could kind of use them themselves. Um, and then we kind of use those in uh, support groups as a way to sort of just get people thinking about their risk and then thinking about the environment and what sort of things can they do to control, especially their indoor environment, right? We were all kind of indoors. And even in the winter, you find you're spending more times in, indoors, right? Um, people don't always think, you know, you're worried about slipping outside on the ice. Yep. You yep. don't really worry about, about home. inside. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 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 old kind of cliche about accidents happening at home really is true. Uh, and falls is probably one of the, the peak dangers. Um, so I've, I've seen it happen time and time again, um, you know, often with seniors. And, you know, I, I would say it's the people that are, you know, that we see that are most at risk um, are generally speaking people who've had a recent change in vision 
and who are maybe kind of low vision, um, adjusting to that difference, mm. not quite at the point where they can switch over to maybe doing things in a more tactile manner. So they're still relying on vision. That's not that um, reliable. reliable anymore. Yeah. And, you know, that adjustment is, is hard to make. Um, you know, you, you, these people don't see themselves as somebody who has uh, a visual disability. They just see a different thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we would do is we went through a questionnaire and it was kind of one that a lot of, public health units use um, that, that we found. And it just asks a few questions of, of, of people to kind of get a, an idea of sort of your baseline risk. Now, these don't take into account vision loss, uh, particularly. Some of them kind of, you can see, uh, are related. Um, but so I'll just kind of quickly go through them. I won't do the actual questionnaire. They, they're, they're weighted differently. But I mean, the first question is, have you fallen in the last six months? And that's always one that we ask in our intakes anyway. Um, but if you've fallen recently, then... Um, the greater chance that uh, you're at risk of fall. Um, have you had anyone advise you to get a cane or a walker or a mobility device? A lot of people, um, you know, will resist that for a long time. Um, yeah. It's pretty common for us to have somebody as a client and, you know, you look at their gate and you say, has anyone ever, you know, mentioned maybe a rollator or a cane? Oh yeah. My doctor's been telling me that for years, but I'm all right. You yeah, know? yeah. I'm not ready. Yeah. I don't need that yeah. yet. Yeah, and it means the same thing with the white cane, right? It's probably even a tougher one to to uh, get your head around, you know, using. Um, any unsteadiness in walking? So do you sometimes feel unsteady? Um, do you, when you're walking around at home, do you use furniture to steady yourself or to provide uh, um, assistance when you're when you're walking around? And, and that's kind of a tricky one. Um, because people will use um, furniture, you know, as landmarks when you're walking around indoors. And right. that's sort of an appropriate use and it compensates for vision loss. But this is more like, are you reaching out because you feel unsteady? Um, do you have a worry of falls? So if there's a worry, that, that uh, counts as a risk factor. Um, when you're getting out of a chair, do you have to use two hands um, to push on, on the arms of the chair to get out of the chair? So is there weakness on that transition? Mm -hmm. That transition to sitting to standing is, is, a, is a big tricky one. Um, stepping onto a curb. So do you have difficulty stepping up and down a curb? Um, rushing to the toilet. So it, I have had a few clients where that is a particular area they've, they've experienced falls. Uh, rushing to the front door when somebody knocks on the door and rushing to mm -hmm. the toilet. Mm -hmm. um, and I think part of that is, if you think about the way we travel, um, so folks who got reduced vision, you know, I often say that if you're sighted, you're thinking about your destination and you're not thinking about the journey. You just get there, right? But right. If, you, if you've got reduced vision or no vision, it becomes more about... Um, travel kind of from landmark to landmark, you know, point A to B to C to D. And all those points uh, that you sort of use as sort of verification little nodes on your journey are really important because, um, you know, that's how you break break journeys down into you right. know, manageable chunks where you can sort of maintain a good connection with your environment and feel safe and secure. And in the home, you can do that you know, by positioning furniture and creating nice lanes of travel and stuff. And, you know, you can travel from the bathroom 
to the end of the hallway at the mm-hmm. hallway maybe you transfer over and then you go through the kitchen and you trail you know the the, the counter or something but i find you know if someone has a sudden need to get to the washroom or somebody knocks on the door and they get flustered they forget all those steps and they're thinking about getting to that destination and not the steps that they need to get there safely so that's kind of a big one um just rushing in general um another one is do you have any loss of feeling in your feet so um and typically for us this would be people with neuropathy often related to diabetes which is of course a big risk factor for vision loss um and that's a huge difference. And that that I've seen indoors and outdoors make just a big difference where you don't have the vision giving you the, you know, the really good um indicator of maybe a slight change in elevation in your path or something. Um, and then you don't really feel it through your feet. You you almost feel it in your body. It's when your body feels off balance that you realize something's wrong. So it's kind of late in the process. So they tend to be always on the, the point of recovering <laughs> a, a loss of a, a you know, temporary loss of balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, other ones would be medication. You're taking any medication that ever makes you feel lightheaded, um, sleep, sleep aids. So medications that help you sleep. Um, and the other one would be, um, if there's feelings of depression, sadness, you know, um, that's right, just state sad. of mind. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. one thing you, you know, you both know is you have to be extremely alert when, when your vision is, is, is not normal yeah. or average yeah um, yeah, yeah. A, lo- a little bit that paying attention and, yeah. and thinking it out like you said even those stopping points are things that sometimes do give us whether you're on a journey or not and uh, they may make you think because of our environments and things within our environments um like you said about not being necessarily able to feel your feet but carpets if you have a bad carpet too yep. there's things in your environment that can mess you up too well especially yeah. if you're not necessarily sure what the rate of vision loss is right and you mentioned this throughout um if you're not exactly sure where your vision is compared to where it was yesterday or last week or last month and you're over and under calculating as you move um and not really aware of that that is what ends up with the injuries and the falls yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so we uh the other document we looked at was something uh, i was actually the center for disease uh control uh so cdc in the states um did something and it was just a sort of a a room by room kind of audit of your home and possible risks. And some of the stats they had were that um, for older Americans, and this is, this is data from 2011, 23,000 people over age 65 died and 2.4 million were treated in emergency departments because of falls. So it's a huge amount. uh, It is uh, of risk. Like it's really like that's, way up there in terms of of uh of causes of injury and, and death so w- what they did was they broke it down and this is something that we sometimes give out to family members so they can think about this when uh when they're working with with a, maybe an older family member so think about the floors um when you're when you're walking around in your rooms do you have to walk around furniture right? and again using furniture that's sort of like adjacent to a path is great you know, it's good as a landmark, good as a steadying point. A lot of people who have depth perception issues feel better when they reach out and check the distance of something just mm-hmm. to kind of um, uh, reassure them uh, uh, that they're not too close or too far from something. So that works, um, but not in the path, right? You don't want to have to deviate around something, um, especially low stuff like coffee tables. Mm. They're killers. <laughs> um Throw rugs. So rugs is a pretty pretty obvious one. Um, they can be useful to people with vision loss because they can 
you know, they can serve as a landmark, an indicator yep. maybe of the doorway or the top of the, I don't like that at the top of stairs, but sometimes if you, if there's a hallway and you want people to avoid a certain area, like that might be close to stairs, you can put something there that provides a little bit of an indicator like, oh, I just stepped on the, on the rug. As long as they're really well secured, um, you know, double-sided tape, make sure that there's no way that you can catch them. Um, beveled edge is, is nice. Uh, low, low pile if you do have to use them, right? So they're mm-hmm. not something that you sink into. Uh, you want something really firm. <laughs> Stub your toe or go sliding. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, maybe in maybe if you have like a lounge room, you could put yeah, a exactly. deep carpet. But anyway, okay. <laughs> one that you can roll into. Um, stuff on the floor, uh, like paper boxes, uh, magazines, things like that. I, you know, I've, I've been in lots of places where people just leave stuff out. Uh, and part mm-hmm. of it is because they don't want to put it away because they might not remember where they put they it. They need it. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, yeah. The thing is, you're going to find it unintentionally, um, and it's the risk of a fall. Then, right? Mm. Um, wires, so cords running across paths of travel. Um, I've seen people catch all sorts of stuff: feet, uh, rollators in those, all sorts of things like that. White canes, um, anything. Yeah, yeah. Roomba, Mark. We, got, <laughs> we got, so just neither here nor there. We gotta go. Uh, any last? I was had a whole thing of Roombas, I know. So. I was just gonna say, and it's like it affects Rumia. The Part only thing two. is the crash <laughs> might wake her up. My vacuum. Yeah, exactly. We got to wrap. But anything you want to leave us on? No, I would just say, you know, just because you feel comfortable doesn't mean that you know you're necessarily in a safe area and. Look critically at the areas that you spend the most time in and make sure that you minimize the risk. Yeah, yeah. we uh, often talk about just like emergency assessments, right? Like if you had to leave your apartment right away, do you have everything you need to leave? Are you um, able to kind of follow a protocol? And this is, I think, around the same vein where once in a while we just got to check our surroundings and reassess potentially. And and especially, as you said, Mark, when you're in that hurry, whether it's at the back, make sure you don't have that tripping uh, obstacle there or or that those checkpoints that you're talking about, whether you need it for your hand or not, don't go putting stuff on it so you go reaching for it in a hurry and swat everything off and are tripping over stuff. It's almost a feng shui conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Mark, we'll talk to you next month. All right, sounds good. Potentially for part two. Mark Rankin is our orientation mobility specialist who joins us on the third Monday for a monthly O&M talk. Totally misled the thought of the, the segment myself, talking so much about falling outside and our, uh, exactly. our conversation Ice through the and day. slipping and, and yeah. Yeah, and yet, like Mark said, so much more of this mm-hmm. happening inside. Coming up next, folks, on Know Your Rights today, Danielle McLaughlin introduces us to uh, this year's pro bono law student, We meet Ashini Paris after this. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.